Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Auto Service World Conversations. I'm Adam Malik, Managing Editor for Cars and Jobber News, and I'm your host for this episode. Today, we're speaking with Kumar Saha. He's a U.S. Vice President and Canadian Managing Director of global automotive firm Yukon. He's a frequent commentator for the automotive aftermarket, speaking at conferences, and as a columnist with Jobber News. When news broke about O'Reilly Automotive's deal to buy Group Del Vasto, which includes vast auto distribution, I called up Kumar to get his take on the deal, what it means for the industry in Canada, how O'Reilly's split retail wholesale structure would mesh with Vast, the loss of a Canadian-owned aftermarket company, and the M&A landscape going forward. A really interesting discussion. Here it is. Let me just start off with uh, what are your initial thoughts uh, on the news? Not surprised because, uh, and particularly with knowing that it's O'Reilly, because O'Reilly is also, from what I understand, expanding into Latin America, I think Mexico. So the northward expansion also makes sense, but still, it's very interesting news. Mm -hmm. Was this maybe a surprise? I mean, we're seeing a lot of M&As. This is another U.S. firm buying a Canadian one. Is is that perhaps a surprise or is this just, you know, this is the way things are going? I guess it's just the way things are going. I mean, if you take uh, the example of LKQ, Uniselect, and and now this, I don't think... uh, is surprising at all uh, that some of the bigger retailers and entities that are in the U.S. now want to, you know, flex their muscle across the Americas. Because you have to keep in mind that that the growth opportunities within the U.S. are fairly limited at this point. So, um, so expanding across the Americas become, you know, becomes pretty uh, attractive for everyone. Mm-hmm. Do you see this as like? Um... The way into the Canadian because always the Canadian market is like when I talk to folks in the U.S., you know, they kind of look at and say, "Well, one, it's a smaller market, but it's also a tricky market, especially when they look at Quebec. They point out Quebec as being a unique uh, type of market, but you know, yeah. uh, Uniselect is based there, Vast is, is based there, Napa is based there. Now, is this a, a better way of getting into the Canadian market than just you know setting up a flag in Toronto and trying to expand throughout the country? Like, is this a better growth option? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think if you take examples outside of um, automotive, you know, Target, you know, being a great example, there are always risks associated with, you know, expanding into the Canadian market and trying to set up their own footprint. This is a great way because you have an existing business and you have the relationships in the market because the Canadian market, if you understand, is also um, very, very traditional. It doesn't really have a retail-oriented market as they have in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you take all the examples, like when Napa came here, you know they acquired UAP, right? So UAP was, uh, you know, very similar uh, Quebec-based distributor. It's good to have a partner and a footprint in Canada rather than trying to build it from scratch. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned you know U.S. is more retail-focused. Vast is more wholesale distribution-focused. So. How do you see maybe what the way they run business in the U.S. Uh, meshing with the way Vast does business up here? That's a good question, and and I'm not sure exactly what the strategy is going to be uh, for O'Reilly. So again, going back to the Napa example, uh, Napa acquired UAP, which was you know similar distribution type of business, but then they were able to use that to build a retail footprint as well. Uh, right and and also service footprint uh, like they have in the U.S. On the other hand, you have 
LKQ, the you know the LKQ unit select example, or you can take the advanced car quest world pack example. They didn't try to put you know advanced auto parts over here. So uh, the strategy could go both ways. It's it's very early to say which way um, O'Reilly is going to go at this point. Does it matter that we're losing another Canadian distributor to an American company? Does the, do people care about that? Does that matter in our industry? <laughs> uh, I guess some people do, but sort of inevitable, if you will, because we have a smaller footprint. The entire aftermarket business is now um, built on scale. And so Canadian companies or distributors like, you know, Vast or Uniselect is like larger. They just don't have sort of capacity to expand their footprint. And a lot of them are family owned. So, you know, sometimes it just makes sense for the company to, you know, make the right deal. So either you can have consolidation happening locally, but I, I haven't seen any appetite for that here in Canada. Uh, it's not that, you know, Napa, I mean, Napa is, it, you know, is an American company, but, you know, like Canadian Tire and, you know, buying, you know, more brands, you know, the market going and buying, buying Lordco or whoever. That's just not there. So somebody will fill that void and that void will be filled by folks from the South. Mm -hmm. In in the statement that was put out yesterday, and there was talks of, uh, this wasn't exact, but basically a a national expansion. It kind of seems, you know, Vast is very heavy on the east side, doesn't have anything beyond here. So it seems like this deal kind of may be a springboard to a wider geographical footprint for the company. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, so as I was saying, it could go two ways. It could, you know, there could be a vast branded expansion into and uh, having O'Reilly as their owner will give them the cash infusion that they need to go across different markets. Um, or it could be an O'Reilly branded expansion. And to go back to that point, I personally think that at this point, it's going to be probably a vast lead expansion. Uh, again, maybe time will prove me wrong. Uh, because keep in mind, if you go into Mexico, there has been more of a strategy to uh, bring the brand to the market. And there's a reason for that, because Mexico is, unlike Canada, is a very, very fragmented market. It's largely, you know, very regional, small little distributors selling to like a three-step distribution process. So there was a need to have brand consolidation or a big brand of retail footprint. Canada is slightly different. It's a little more sophisticated. Customers are used to certain companies doing business with certain companies. So I would be surprised if O'Reilly sets up its independent footprint like O'Reilly stores, but who knows? Mm -hmm. What kind of impact would this have on the Canadian aftermarket? Uh, does Does anything really change? in here or just that you know just a different owner now at the at the top of of one of the top uh, distributors in canada it doesn't change anything fundamentally unless again as i said we have some expansion of the retail footprint Mm -hmm. so if if o'reilly chooses to set up its own o'reilly fast i don't know how the branding will go retail presence in canada so that could make it a shift into a different type of market 
but I don't think fundamentally it changes uh, you know a whole lot. The only thing that it would signal for the Canadian market is probably um, you're seeing the last of the independent distribution chains. I think at some point everything will roll up to the bigger uh, brand names uh, and and they could be American, they could be Canadian. Uh, so the consolidation is probably and when consolidation happens in the market, I think uh, the biggest challenge is faced by suppliers, you know, because they feel pressure to keep their costs low and, and there's more bargaining power. Uh, I think within Canada, there was slightly more bargaining power, you know, in the market for suppliers. But if consolidation starts to keep pace in this way, that could be an issue for some suppliers down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, kind of on that topic, there we've got a couple of deals potentially happening. We've got CarQuest on the market, World Packs out there. How much of a flurry of moves are we going to be seeing, say, in the next? I don't know. We saw a bunch this year, but in the next year, three years, five years, what kind of is your crystal ball kind of say? Uh, that's a good question. Actually, you know, when uh, when you sent me the note, you know, one of my first thoughts was, okay, so who remains? AutoZone, right? right? who doesn't really have any kind of a presence in the market because, again, with Advance and Napa and now O'Reilly, all the big three have some footprint you know, over here. Who, who knows? Maybe mixed up is mixed up is on his own. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, what the future holds. But I think, again, we will start to see more consolidation. I mean, another great example uh, would be Lordco. You know, Lorco has a very strong hold on the West Coast, and that's a market that nobody has been able to uh, capture very successfully. You know, mm-hmm. some of the bigger players. Yeah. So, uh, you know, someone like Lorco could be a target. We have not been to the similar conferences with the same conferences where you know we heard how attractive this industry is to private equity. So, if you're saying you know if, yeah. if AutoZone is kind of the next one up, but maybe they don't, they won't do it. Um, are we looking at maybe now private equity really stepping in and? taking a bigger chunk of the Canadian aftermarket or the aftermarket in general in, the, in North America? Uh, yeah, that's possible. Uh, there could be, um, and, and I think one of the things that has happened over the last year or so, or this year as well, has been the resilience of the market and the continued resilience of the market. So there was this discussion about, oh, you know, how, how long is the aftermarket going to be relevant with the coming of the electrification? And a lot of companies were spinning off their you know, aftermarket divisions. But given, at least in North America, the rate of EV adoption and the stalling rates of EV adoption, if you will, uh, I think there's really a lot of runway for the aftermarket still. And so there are a lot of companies that are very attractive because they would be great businesses even for the next 10, 15 years. So I think, yeah, you, there, there could be some P activity, uh, you know, coming through as well. I haven't seen much north of the border, but it's largely south of the border. But who knows, maybe uh, there could be some, you know, attractive valuations. And especially, you know, as uh, the Canadian economy probably is going to falter more than the U.S. economy. Again, there, there might be some good valuation out there that can be picked up. All right, Kumar, that was great. Thank you so much. Anything else uh, you wanted to add on on this? Anything that the uh, Canadian aftermarket should be aware of? No, I think I think we've pretty much covered everything. One thing that I'm most curious about, as I mentioned earlier, is the direction that 
O'Reilly is going to take the fast. Mm-hmm. Is if is it going to be run as an independent business? That seems to be the short term goal, from what I understand. That's generally been the norm, with the exception of maybe uh, Napa UAP. But yeah, that would be a that would be a very uh, interesting development if O'Reilly goes the retail direction. Interesting. All right, Kumar, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Adam.